It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Hey guys. <laughs> this is the Locked On Auburn Podcast, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast, presented by Fetch Me Home Delivery. Use promo code FetchMe20 for your first delivery free. FetchMeDelivery.com and the free Fetch Me app. I'm Zach Blackerby, Michael Pappas, hanging out with me in our palatial studio A here at the Auburn Network Family of Stations. Hello, sir. Hey, Zach. What's Come up? On. There we go. About to say. About to say. Big Tex. Big Tex can't be talking like that. All right. So we're, uh, we're, we're shifting gears. We're looking forward to Auburn and Old Miss kicking off Saturday at 6 o'clock. It'll be a fun night game. The weather's going to be awesome. It's going to be a little bit cooler. It's going to feel to like the next fall. One. We're on to Old Miss. On to Old Miss. On to Old Miss. Uh, we're thinking about Old Miss. Yeah, we're really focused on Old Miss right now. So um, on Saturday worried. at 6 p.m. we play Ole Miss. That's uh, all we're worried about. All, Ole Miss. We're on Ole Miss. All right, so uh, I asked you to compile data because you so love— So now let's promptly talk about something else. <laughs> no, I, I think Bo Nix's quarterback performance <laughs> is, uh, is important here, uh, maybe now more than ever with, with the news of this week. And so I asked you to compile data of all of the quarterbacks that have— earned their first eight starts under Malzahn as an offensive coordinator or, or a head coach. And uh, eight guys qualified. Stidham is not in there. And then Stephen Mosley, we put him in there. Not Stephen Mosley. Clint Mosley. Clint Mosley, I think, had five games. Four or five. Four or five. Yeah, he didn't have a full eight. So And Barrett Trotter got pulled in a game, so he had eight passing attempts. And... We added the game, the bowl game. He came in for relief after Mosley got hurt. After Mosley had like four attempts, so Trotter basically played the whole game. Right. So the guys we're looking at here: Barrett Trotter, Bo Nix, Cam Newton, Chris Todd, Clint Mosley, Jeremy Johnson, Nick Marshall, and Sean White. Those are the guys that we're talking about here. So there's eight guys, and when looking at yards per game, Bo Nix is third behind Sean White and Chris Todd. And I've said off air to some folks, and it's kind of made some people mad. And I'm like, I see a lot of similarities between Bo Nix and Sean White. And people take that the wrong way. But I want to preface when I say that, I was very high on Sean White during his time at Auburn. I was extremely high on Sean White. I wanted Sean White to start over Jeremy Johnson while everybody was on the Jeremy Johnson train. I'm like, I like what Sean White's doing with his arm. So when you look at yards per attempt, Bo Nix, out of the eight quarterbacks that qualified for this, he was sixth. Number one was Cam Newton. Number two was Sean White and then Nick Marshall. Um, but Bo Nix performing better than Clint Mosley and Barrett Trotter as far as yards per attempt, which means he's inaccurate. Now, there's a few things here that these stats don't tell. They, they don't account for the fact that Bo Nix threw away passes and made some smart plays getting rid of the football. Now, also in that, if you were to take adjusted passer rating, it doesn't account for the fact of 
He's in the pocket for two seconds. His first read's not there. He leaves the pocket for no reason and throws the football away. So, I, I mean, stats only tell so much. So we're, we're, being, we're trying to be transparent with that. But looking at his completion percentage, he was dead last. He's been through eight games. He's the most um, inconsistent passer under Malzahn that qualified for this. So he was at, he's at 53.92 completion percentage for Gus Malzahn. Or under Gus Malzahn. I think something that was interesting to me, Jeremy Johnson had the best completion percentage under mm-hmm. Gus through um I believe through eight games. I don't have the stats in front of me, but I believe he also had the most interceptions though. He did, yeah. It he had was four. like and Jeremy Johnson is an interesting case. Um, uh, I'm sorry, he had eight. He had eight interceptions. Yeah. Jeremy Johnson is an interesting case because his first start came as a true freshman in twenty thirteen when Nick Marshall was hurt for a cupcake game. Fourteen. Twenty fourteen. Against Arkansas. No, 2013. Really? Yes, when Nick Marshall was hurt for a cupcake game. And I actually, I believe he started two games that season, like Western Carolina and FAU. And then the next season, he started against Arkansas in the opening game of the season, played really well in the first half. And then, so it's like those three games and then f- the first four or five that he played in the next season. Mm-hmm. So... He had a lot of passes and a lot of completions against in those first three games that probably skew his statistics a little bit. Right. But even in the other five, I mean, completion percentage wasn't really his issue. It was that when he was throwing in completions, they were just going to the wrong team. No, you're right. You're right. So I I don't want to list all of these to to bash Bo Nix because I think the guys in front of him, I think Bo Nix contributes more to the running attack than those other guys did. Now, I think that's going to go away now. I'm curious to see how the quarterback run is treated against Ole Miss moving forward. Um, I think against Georgia and Alabama, when you need to pull out everything you have offensively, I'd like to still see it there. But him taking hits against Ole Miss doesn't make any sense to me. Do you agree there? I completely agree. I, I don't, we might not see Bo get called a design run until like the third or fourth quarter against Alabama when Gus is like, we so have not, not to not do something. So not even against Georgia. I think I think Gus views the Alabama game as far and away the most important game of the season. Which which is to I mean, most which, Auburn which fans is true. Is I mean, true. If if he beats Alabama, it doesn't matter how he does it. I think if he beats Georgia as well, I think it totally changes the tone of the season. Oh, absolutely. But I, I think a lot of folks right now, especially the pessimistic side of the Auburn fan base, are treating this as if Okay, moving forward, I think the assumption is Auburn is going to lose to Georgia and Alabama. I don't think that's true. I think they're going to win one of them. I don't think they're. I, I don't think they're going to win both of them, but I do think they win one of them. I think there is. They have an equally good chance of going two and zero as they do zero and two. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. I think they're more likely to go 2-0 and 0-2. Okay. Just because I think they're going to beat Georgia. If I was going to rank them, I'd probably say one and one most likely, two and zero, oh, 
second most likely, 0-2 third most likely. I don't think Georgia's all that good. Yeah. And I think Alabama, I think there's a decent chance Alabama gets steamrolled by LSU. I can't wait to see what that looks like because I think there's a chance that Alabama's offense gets punched in the mouth by an Auburn defense and it's the first defense that they've played mm-hmm. all season. And then it's like, okay, how does Tua respond in this situation when, when his guys aren't able to catch a three-yard slant and run it for 60 yards? Yeah. And they may be good enough at receiver where no one can stop them in college football. Like that is an op- that is an option here, but I think they're going to get punched in the mouth and they can't stop anyone either. Well, now we said that against LSU as well, so we we, we got to see. But I mean, they've had a hard I mean, time. They've had a hard time uh, kind of gearing down and, as, and stopping people consistently. As bad as the Auburn offense was, that the LSU defense did not play poorly, and no one was open. I mean, You're right. when they would go to wide camera angles and stuff, no one was open. If there is a secondary that can slow down the Alabama wide receivers, it's LSU's. I mean, they've got two two corners that might be All-Americans and Grant Delpit, who's probably going to be a top-10 draft pick at safety if he's healthy for that game. He moves so well, man. And, yeah. I mean, you could argue that Grant Delpit's play on DJ Williams on that long gain on the first play from scrimmage in the second half – saved the game for LSU. You're right. Because, I mean, if DJ scores on that run, it's a completely different football game. But we're on Ole Miss. Yes. That was did, a, did you forget already we're on Ole Miss? Well, that was just... I, I was talking about... We're really the, focused on the Rebel Black Bears. I was still... I was talking about the future. It wasn't about Auburn's performance. It was about LSU's performance, Talking, looking ahead to Alabama. Okay, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. Hey, let's go to the voicemail. Oh. You want to? Mm. All right, this is... um. I don't think I have the right one. This is Tony. This may be the wrong one. Hey, Zach. Um, I, uh, Tony over in Savannah. Right I got a, yes. um, hey, Tony. I just listened to the podcast. I got a couple questions or oh. comments, I guess, about that. All right, Tony. And the whole Malzahn thing. Sure. Um, you know, the, the, the what really kind of aggravates me about all this is I do believe this team has so much talent, and they are a championship-level team. And I agree. And if the offense was consistent – then I think, Competent. yeah, they, they could at least make a run at it. Mm-hmm. But fans are upset because they want to win now. If they go get somebody new, you're going to have to bring in all his new assistants, his new recruits, his new scheme, coordinators and all that, and it's going to be two to three years before they whoever it is starts winning, if they're not a bust like some of the other guys we've seen in the SEC. I love this voice uh, so far. But Malzahn is the only – SEC coach who have beaten Saban, and he's done it multiple times. Mm-hmm. That is, and you know, I, I just, yeah. I, I don't understand who, who you're going to go get. And, and the last thing I have to say is something I think has kind of been overlooked is, yes, Bo Nix is a freshman, but he missed quite a bit of easy throws Saturday. You make some of those throws, DJ Williams doesn't step out of bounds on the big run. I mean, that's four points. I mean. They could have won that game, and, and I understand the offense is not consistent, and it's very, very frustrating, but I just feel that Bo Nix is not confident, and I believe that in a year or two, Auburn's offense, because they're still young, other than the offensive line, I think that I think that they will be one of the best offenses in the country. But, uh, wow. yes, I am still kind of frustrated about the inconsistency. You know, I mean, in the last 10 years, Malzahn has done – great things at Auburn. I mean, it's been an exciting. He's had Auburn in the top 15, top 10 at least every year um, since he's been there. So, 
anyways, that's that's my thoughts. Um, you know, appreciate you uh, appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. Thank you, Tony, for one for uh, listening to the podcast and two uh, for calling. That also is uh, the early favorite for the uh, LOA Podcast Award for longest voicemail. So congratulations for that. I was not aware we added another uh, award. Should we add another category? As a member of the LOA Podcast Awards Committee, I feel like I should have been notified of this. Yeah, that's on me. Um, I, I think we need to add longest voicemail and uh, also... Best call? Best call, yeah. Uh, the one we played a couple days ago where the guy was just like, uh, hey, <coughs> and hung up. <laughs> now, that one, call of the year so far. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. Everything he, uh, that Tony just said, I agree with. You know, my biggest thing, whenever people are... Tony must not have heard we're on to Ole Miss, but it's fine. Well, that's fine. We, we didn't say that yesterday. We didn't say that. Here, here's, uh, here's the early favorite for uh, best voicemail. Hey, guys. Look... <laughs> That's a Hall of Famer right there. It's so funny. I keep expecting more, and it's just not there. Uh, All right, so, uh, yeah, the the, the biggest thing with letting Malzahn go, and I agree with Tony 100%. I was talking about this with somebody yesterday off air, and uh, it's he's hired really good people. I mean, his his staff is filled with some of the best recruiters in the country, let alone the SEC, and that's why he's got such a talented team. I think Malzahn's a good recruiter, but his the guys under him are great recruiters. We we got an email. Um, Malzahn was like recruiter of the year in 2010 or something in the SEC or the country or something like that. But his uh, his staff though is I mean really what's what's setting him apart. We got an email about here it is Travis uh, Travis Williams. This is from Mike. It won't happen, but promote Travis Williams, class guy, excellent recruiter, young, energetic. Give him the backing to. Hire a great offensive guy. He could get the Auburn family united. He took our linebackers to another level in a short amount of time. Go ahead and let's discuss it. An experienced question mark. He can overcome it. I think Travis Williams, if Malzahn goes, if he is forced to leave or whatever, I think there's a solid chance that Rodney Garner stays because he stayed through the Malzahn hire and Travis Williams stays. That That is my, that is my prediction. I don't think that they will attempt to clean house, and I think – that there are guys like that that should and would stick around because they love Auburn. So that's um, that, 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 that's a big one for me. That's what I was going to say is that so many of these coaches, especially on the defensive side of the ball, well, and Cadillac now are, you know, Auburn men, if you will. Yeah, I mean, C- Cody Burns is in there too. Yeah, sorry. But, you know, whether it was played here or have been here for a really long time or what, I mean, it's my opinion that, if the time comes when they do bring, if the time comes that they bring in a new coach, th- those guys should be a priority um, um, to, to for them to keep around. As far as T. Will getting the promotion all the way to head coach, I'm not sure that you want. Uh, uh, look, I've never met the guy. By all accounts, he's an incredible human being. He's a great linebackers coach. He will make you want to run through a wall. Yes, I don't know if you want someone who has not been. 
a even a coordinator before to be the next head coach at Auburn University. Now, if something were to happen to Kevin Steele, I think my first vote is promote Travis Williams to D.C. Now, that's going to depend. I, I think this is all super hypothetical because I do not think Gus Malzahn is going anywhere. Because I think he's going to beat Georgia or Alabama, maybe both, and I think he's going to stick around. Unless, unless Arkansas gets rid of Chad Morris in Arkansas, we go through that whole saga where Arkansas is going to pay him way too much money. I, that's the only way I could see him leaving. That's the yeah. Uh, the I, I mean, guess I, I think if they lose, I think if they lose to Georgia and Alabama, I still think he's there. I still think he's the head coach at Auburn eight and four. I'm trying to think about the games. That Auburn, yeah, uh, I think he would have to get blown out by either both Georgia and Alabama with the offense just looking incompetent again. Sure, or he loses to. Ole Miss at home and then loses to Alabama at home. Yeah, I think if they lose Saturday, it's it's different. But I just that's not going to happen. I find it hard to believe. Also, I think Kevin Steele's too good of a defensive coordinator to let this gimmicky Rich Rod offense beat him. I think I think the old guys on this team. I mean, Derek Brown after that game, like he's still hungry. I, I you know Jeremiah Denson. I mean these these upperclassmen. Mm-hmm. They're not, they're not giving up. And I'm sure the message that they're preaching is, and I think it's true, that they're not out of it yet. They're not. I mean, they need some help. But For it's sure. not out of the realm of possibility that more than one SEC team could get in. Uh, I think you need to pull for LSU against Alabama, which I'm sure most Auburn fans are going to do yep. anyway. Let LSU go undefeated. Beat Georgia or Florida in the SEC championship. You need Florida to win this weekend. Do you? Yeah, because you need Florida to win. Oh, no. You need Florida. I don't know if they can pull it off. I, I think you would rather Georgia win because you have the chance to beat Georgia. Because if it's if it's Florida that loses in the SEC championship versus an Auburn team that's one of the hottest teams in football, if they were to win out, they there's still a head-to-head there. Like Florida beat Auburn. So I, yeah, I, I think it's better Florida for Florida would still end up with two losses and wouldn't have won their division just like Auburn, and then they have that head-to-head win, so you'd still probably pick Florida. I don't think, I don't think the committee's going to care that much about the two losses if Auburn wins out. Unless it comes to the head-to-head with Florida. I, I agree. So you need Florida to drop a game... It's like you need I think Florida. You want, I think you want Georgia to, to win out, game. except for losing. Yeah. I think you want Georgia to beat Florida, and then Georgia will lose to Auburn. So Georgia will have two losses, and Auburn has the head-to-head. Georgia would lose to LSU in this scenario, so they'd actually have three losses. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think I think that's how you do it. And then you just hope Florida. chaos happens. I mean, Oklahoma lost, so it's like, do they take a one-loss Oklahoma team, or do they take a two-loss Auburn team that's kind of didn't well, play in the SEC championship game? Oklahoma. For as dominant as Oklahoma looked up to this point, they still have to play an undefeated Baylor team. Sure. I believe they still have to play Iowa State, who always seems to win some weirdly big game every year. Yeah, they mess up somebody every season, it seems like. Sure. They still have to play Bedlam, which is called Bedlam for a reason. Wild. And they still have to play the Big 12 championship game, which means they'll have to beat either a team they've already beaten once Mm -hmm. or, I guess, Baylor. Right, I mean, so so you're looking at you're looking at the SEC championship, the SEC champion, which in this scenario, in the ideal scenario for Auburn, I believe is LSU, yep. and then Ohio State, 
Clemson, and then it's, okay, does Oklahoma take care of itself, or does Auburn have a chance to go in? I, I don't think that's ridiculous to think. Yeah, well, another one of the issues they'll run into is if Penn State ends up with one loss and it's to Ohio State, they're going to take Penn State. I don't know if that's true. Uh, I don't think they're going to put two Big Ten teams in the playoff. I think it would be a tough sell to take a two-loss SEC team that did not win its division or conference over a one-loss Big Ten team that didn't win its division or conference when the one loss for the Big Ten team is to Ohio State, who's, I, I guess at this point, number but two. The, the thing that the College Football Playoff Committee values more than anything else is quality wins, and Penn State's not going to have any of those. And they also, they've also rewarded folks that have gone out and scheduled people. And the more Oregon wins, the better it is for Auburn. I'm just saying Auburn's Ooh. not out of it. Oh, what about one lost Pac-12 champ Oregon? I think the head-to-head matters too much. That's literally why you play the game. Yeah, but a lot of people would argue that since the game was 14 weeks ago, they're kind of different teams and blah, blah, blah. And, you still played the game, man. And they're That's not, still important. I agree with you, but I think you could also argue that you go to the head-to-head if they have like the same resumes or something. Dude, I'm trying to play devil's advocate here a little I mean, bit. Auburn's I mean, schedule is just so much tougher, and they care about that so much. So, I mean, that would be. I, I well, think if they did that, I think if they picked Oregon over Auburn in this scenario, it would be inconsistent with everything else they've done over the past few seasons. Maybe. Um, as far, but we got to take it one week at a time. We're on Ole Miss. Yeah, we're on Ole Miss. We're on Ole Miss. Um, if, hey guys. <laughs> Uh, kind of circling back to how this started, talking about coaching and, and Gus Malzahn and whatnot. Um, if the time, if it so happens that after this season Auburn decides to move on, which we just explained, we don't think is going to be the case. Then why are we talking about um, Auburn? This is important. Whomever Auburn decides to hire as a head coach needs to bend over backwards and do whatever they can to go get Graham Harrell from USC. Because I think Graham Harrell is going to be unemployed after this season. Because I think that Clay Hilton is going to get fired. All right. Sweet. What was your Bo Nix stat? Oh, I, I have some fun fun stats of the day, uh, courtesy I, of Josh Dub under. All right. Um, Bo Nix passed Cody Burns in career passing yards on Saturday. He now sits at 22nd in Auburn history. If he can pass for 567 more yards this season. He'll crack the top 20. He's going to pass for 567 more yards this season. I agree. Yeah. You know what's insane? What? If Anthony Gordon, the quarterback at Washington State, threw for 567 yards on Saturday, would you be surprised? Yes. That's okay. a lot. Maybe not. Su- maybe surprised is the wrong word. Would you be, like, phased? 500 yards? Yeah. That'd be incredible. Anthony Gordon threw for nine touchdowns in a game that they lost this season. That's crazy. Where can people find you and hear you? I'm not done yet. Okay. In terms of single-season Auburn passing records, top 12 is within reach for Bo Nix. He needs 785 more yards this season to pass Stan White's um, mark from 1990. Okay. And then another 
stat from Josh Dub underscore. Seth Williams surpassed 1,000 career receiving yards Saturday. If he can gain 50 yards against Ole Miss, he'll pass Terrell Zachary for 25th most receiving yards in Auburn history. And folks, there are some um, all uppercase names just above Seth right now. Those names are Terrell Zachary, Tim Christian, Clifton Robinson, Thomas Bailey, and Ben Obamanu. If he can pass them, he'll be right at number 20. Where can people find you and hear you? They can follow me on Twitter, at CouchPapTato. They can follow me in the Action Network app, if they're into that kind of thing, at CouchPapTato. You can listen to me on this podcast and follow me on Twitter for anything else that I do. Fantastic. That is Michael Pappas. I'm on Twitter at Z Blackerby. The show is on Twitter at Locked on Auburn. This has been another edition of the Locked on Auburn podcast. It's the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. The NCAA tournament is almost here. And listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.